So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this the 30th of October. It's the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley. And as usual, help me to present the programme, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane, from some part good of the world. Good morning, John. How are we doing? Greetings, or good afternoon, or whatever way you want to put it, from Mogadishu. You are moving around a little bit now these days. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Mogadishu is in some part of Africa right now. Some, some it's, a, it's the capital of Somalia. Okay, okay. And um, any and, and, and good beaches there, just in case people might want to decide one day? Maybe. No, unfortunately, this isn't a quite tourist destination. And unfortunately, at the moment, it is the epicentre of a looming uh, humanitarian catastrophe with a massive famine um, um, due to five failed rainy seasons in Somalia. And we're looking at a situation where um, it's probably going to be the worst famine the country has experienced in 30 years. Wow. So we should really count our blessings as to where we are. And uh, as we said after this particular podcast today, we should also include those people who are suffering in our prayers. And also, whenever we get the opportunity, no doubt, um, to put our hands in our back pockets and, and see can we help that way as well. But we welcome those listeners who are joining us today, those who are housebound and lonely, our usual listeners who are from many parts of the world, tune in each week, tune in to our podcast, um, which is, of course, can be heard as usual at commonseeinspirations.buzzspread.com. Just Google Come and See Inspirations, you'll find us there. Sacredspace102.blogspot.com has uh, all of our um, programs going back uh, when we used to do it on the radio, uh, going back to 2010. We're also heard on Spotify and iTunes, and of course, we do have a presence on Facebook. Come and see inspirations. You can text us, and please do, by texting 087 6088 That's in Ireland. Internationally, just put 00353 before that, so 00353 or email come and see inspirations at gmail.com. Shane, science for the week, all the way from Mogadishu. <laughs> Yes, so obviously we're into the last week of October and the first week of um, of November. So, John, uh, you might uh, do me a favor when I've done the saints. You might just get dig us out of the Pope's prayer intention. So, on the Sunday is the thirtieth. So, uh, Monday, the thirty first of October, uh, is the feast day on the Irish calendar of Blessed Dominic Collins. He's one of the Irish martyrs. Um, he was a successful soldier, rose to the rank of captain. He went on pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela in Spain, resigned his commission to become a Jesuit novice and a lay brother. He was assigned to Ireland in 1601. He was arrested in 1602, and he was imprisoned, tortured, and executed for promoting the faith. And he is one of the Irish martyrs who were beatified in 1992 by John Paul II in Rome. The 1st of November, of course, is the Feast of All Saints, uh, instituted to honour all the saints, known and unknown. Um, it, known, it owes its origin in the Western Church to the dedication of the Roman Pantheon in honour of the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the martyrs by Boniface IV in 609 AD. Um, so it's a holy day of obligation, and, and of course, it gives its name, or its, its vigil gives its name to the 31st of October, All Hallows' Eve or Halloween. Uh, so that's All Saints. On the 2nd of November, it is the commemoration of the Feast of the Faithful Departed or the Feast of All Souls. Um, it is very much 
It's uh, commemoration of the fate of departed, departed in purgatory. The celebration started actually at Clooney, the uh, the the monastery, uh, uh, the Cistercian monastery, and then it was taken up and spread gradually across the religious orders, and then across various dioceses, and eventually to the whole church. And it's one, um, it's it's yeah. So that's sorry. So that's the second of November, feast of all souls, the commemoration of the faithful departed. Then on the 3rd of November, we have the feast day of St. Martin de Porres. So Martin, of course, was a very popular saint in Ireland, probably about 40 years ago. And that was because at the time he was a humble blessed and the Dominicans uh, led a great campaign for uh, his canonization because, of course, he is a Dominican saint. Known as the Saint of the Broom, he was the illegitimate son of a Spanish nobleman and a freed black slave. He grew up in extreme poverty, uh, but at the age of 11, he became a servant of the Dominican Priory in Lima. And then uh, he was placed in charge of the infirmary. And eventually um, he became what was then a Dominican lay brother in 1603. And he was venerated very much from the day of his death um, because of his holiness, basically. And uh, he's regarded as the first black saint from the Americas. He died in 1639, and he was canonized in 1962 by John the 23rd. So then on the 4th of November, we have one of the heavy hitters of the Counter-Reformation, known as the Apostle to the Council of Trent. We have St. Charles Borromeo. Uh, very much, of course, associated with the city of Milan. <clears throat> And he was one of the successors of St. Ambrose in the See of Milan. Born of an extremely wealthy family, he was a nephew to Pius IV, studied in Milan, studied at Pavia, was um, a canon lawyer at 21. Um, and he was, oh, the, the list of the amount of things he had, he was a protonotorio apostolico, prior commendatorio, like this guy was serious in terms of you know his connections and the work that he did for the church. He was famous, however, um, in terms he was appointed apostolic administrator at Milan in 1560, and then was involved. Uh, he was appointed Archbishop of Milan in 1564. He was involved with numerous conclaves and diplomatic things for the papacy, like, you know, I could read this out, I could be here for 10 minutes, John, calling this guy out. Um, he also spent his life and his fortune in the service of the people of his diocese, is how it's summed up. Uh, he, he enforced the decrees of the Council of Trent and founded seminaries, schools, conducted synods, and he was died in 1584 of fever in Milan in Italy and he was canonized by Pope Paul V in 1610. And then finally, John, next Saturday is the feast day of Blessed Jewel Bonatti. He's an Albanian saint. Uh, well, blessed, sorry, he's not a saint yet. He's, um, he was ordained a priest in 1906, and he was working with the Catholic Albanians in Constantinople, and then he was appointed uh, Bishop of or Vicar of Valora in Albania in 1937. He was arrested in 1946 and imprisoned, tortured, and abused before eventually dying. And he's regarded as a martyr for the faith. And he was beatified in 2016 by Pope Francis. 
Um, now, just to remind people as well, obviously, Mon uh, Friday the 4th is the first Friday. Saturday the 5th is the first Saturday for those that are maintaining those devotions. And John, as it's the start of the month, will you just call out the Pope's intentions for the month of November? So the Pope's intentions for the month of November are for children who suffer. We pray for children who are suffering, especially those who are homeless, orphans and victims of war. May they be guaranteed access to education and the opportunity to experience family affection. So again, for children who suffer. So thanks, John, for that. Also, I suppose we just should remind people, um, as we come towards the end of the month of October, October is the month of the missions. And of course, last Sunday, the 23rd of October, was Mission Sunday. And it's one of those Sundays set aside where people are encouraged to support the missions um, and support the missionary churches. Uh, so something, I suppose, um, something for us to remind people, if you haven't, maybe that's something you might uh, think about. Um, it was last Sunday, but of course, um, always and ever, um, you can give that support. Shane, thanks a lot indeed for that. So now we will go for our prayer space. Well, actually, our prayer space this morning will will take the form of um, of a song, of a song. But just before I introduce that, uh, just to remind uh, ourselves again about next week and Shane just mentioned that as part of the saints it's the feast of all saints so we say we try and do something to mark this occasion here on our podcast so what we've done we we dip back into our archives and we actually went back to the 29th of October 2017 where we did do a beautiful little uh, reflection there on um, on the feast of all saints so we're going to we're going to play that again in part two of our podcast today and then return again as usual to our reflection, our, our reflection on the Sunday Gospel in part three. But in the meantime, we'll go for our first bit of music today. This one is by Luke Parker and this one is entitled Sweet Surrender.
And this week, um, we said we'd have a chat about saints uh, because we we mention saints every week. We let people know Shane gives us a good resume of who our saints are that we, we, we're going to um, remember this uh, on any particular week. And this week, because it's uh, it's all saints, I thought it a good idea to have a chat about it. I know we, we're hearing a lot about Halloween and so on and so forth, but we'll just stick with saints. And I didn't realize, Shane, there's about 10,000 named saints around the place. But of course, through history... Um, the, 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 there's a different way now that I mean saints become saints from one of a better word in the early days I think there were martyrs and so on and so forth but maybe you can give us a little bit of introduction to saints yourself okay the when when, you, when you're talking about those particular types of saints John we're talking of course about those officially recognized by the churches mm. as being witnesses and particular exemplars for us to look at and to uh, I suppose um, copying the way we live our lives, and yes, there's about ten thousand officially on, on the on the various calendars. If you take into account the, the 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 Latin calendar, which we belong to, plus the various local calendars and the Eastern Orthodox calendars as well, and of course the whole thing with the saints is these are the ones that have only officially been recognised either through the centuries or through the modern process of canonisation. Mm. And canonisation is a process whereby the church, through a number of steps makes a declaration that a person's life is worthy of example, and that person, is, we believe, is uh, enjoying the vision of God, the beatific vision. And it, it's, a, it's an infallible declaration, actually. 
um, when when a, when a saint is when a saint is canonized, and the steps up to it are you know you have uh, venerable uh, servant of God, venerable beatification where the person is called blessed, and then saint which is the top one. And why we have um, approximately ten thousand uh, saints, um, there are many hundreds of more beatitudes, blessings as well. And even on the Irish calendar, the interesting thing is a lot of our saints are not actually, they didn't actually go through the formal, uh, if you like, legal process with Rome where they were actually made a saint. They, mm. These were saints going back through, before saints were declared at the local level, at a local diocesan level, and then recognized by the wider church. But then Rome tightened up the procedure because there was a couple of dodgy ones in there and abuses had crept in. So now that you have to go through the process of submitting a person's writings for, for verification, to make sure they're in teachings with the church. And then for, for beatification, you have to have the first miracle and then the second miracle for canonization. So that's kind of it, kind of in a nutshell. But mm. we're going to have an interesting reflection now um, from Bishop Robert Barron. Now, Robert Barron is a, the director of the Word on Fire uh, online um, evangelization mission. And it started out in Chicago, but Bishop Barron has since been appointed as an auxiliary bishop to Los Angeles, but he has kept up with this work. He's regarded as the modern-day Fulton Sheen, and if you ever come across him online or, or on, on or his books, he seeks to engage with the modern culture in a way mm. that is unafraid, but is also very positive, yeah. and taking on arguments and discussions that people have. I mean, his, his online portfolio of videos is actually very, very impressive. But what we're going to listen to now for the next t nine to ten minutes is uh, Robert Barron discussing All Saints and just kind of sharing a few thoughts on it, and then we'll come back uh, when, 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 when we're finished with him there, okay? Okay, let's go. At the very beginning of the 20th century, there were two young um, Parisian students, intellectuals. One was called Jacques Maritain, and his girlfriend was called uh, Raissa. And Raissa was a poet, Jacques Maritain was a student of philosophy. They were agnostics, more or less. And they decided that um, life was meaningless. And one day in the Luxembourg Gardens in Paris, they made a vow. And they said, unless we can discover by the end of the school year the meaning of life, we will commit suicide. And so during that period, there's something very you know, Parisian and, and a little over the top about all that. But uh, while they were waiting for the school year to come to an end, Jacques Maritain read a statement by Léon Blois, who was a French spiritual writer. Léon Blois said, there's only one real sadness in life, not to be a saint. And that had a huge impact on young Jacques Maritain. Blois was insinuating that there's all kinds of sadnesses. I mean, I, I didn't become the success I wanted to be. I didn't achieve this and that. I didn't get the money I wanted. All kinds of sadnesses, but they don't matter at the end of the day. There's only one real sadness, not to become a saint, not to be the person that Christ wants you to be. And see, once you get that, and here's, I think, what, what struck Maritain, once you get that, your whole life changes. Your whole attitude changes because most of us spend most of the time fussing about trivia. And it might be something as, you know, becoming the president of the United States, but from a spiritual standpoint, it's trivial. If you accomplish that, but don't become a saint, or to make all the money in the world. Boy, that's important um, in the common imagination. But from a spiritual standpoint, it's trivia. The only real sadness, the only real failure is not to become a saint. That woke Jacques Maritain up. And I think of it um, whenever this uh, Feast of All Saints rolls around. 
One way to characterize sanctity is simply becoming a friend of Christ. It's becoming Christ's friend. Better allowing Christ to live his life in you. When St. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. That's what it means to be a saint, that you allow Jesus so to dominate your life in every aspect that he's your Lord. Of course, dominus in Latin just means Lord. He's the Lord of your whole life. And here's something, because I've stressed a lot, this non-competitive quality of God. You say, well, you know, I'm no longer alive. You're living your life in me. It sounds so oppressive, as though I've just surrendered everything. But see, no, when you surrender to God, who is the very ground of your own being, you find yourself. Read Paul's letters. His personality is evident on every page. His unique form of intellectuality, his own passions, his uh, uh, emotional life. I mean, all of it's there. Paul is Paul. But he can say, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The old self, focused on ego and success and money and power, all that business. That, that doesn't matter. It's no longer I who live, that old self. But it's Christ who has come to dominate me. And that means I, Paul, have found my deepest self. That's what it means to be a saint. Well, part of the genius of the church is that uh, we have so many saints, and the saints are so diverse. There's nothing of this kind of, I think of, you know, Maoist China in the 1950s and 60s where everybody's wearing the same thing and saying the same things and walking the same way. Well, that's just tired, you know, uh, uh, monotony. The saints are not monotonous. There's a wide variety of personalities, styles, backgrounds, education. Um, what do they all have in common? They've all become the friends of Christ. They've all allowed Christ to live his life in them. But the perfection of God is such that it requires this wide variety of manifestations in order to show itself adequately. There's no one saint who expresses the fullness of God. Each of the saints, in his or her own way, express something of God's uh, power. I use the image of uh, the, a bright white light that passes through a prism, and then it breaks into many colors. Well, think of God's being as like this intense white light, God's perfection, but now it passes through the prism of the saints, and it splits into all sorts of colors. And so we look at that wide variety and we get something of God's um, total splendor. It's also why it's important for each person to find a saint, maybe who corresponds to his own deepest longings or style or background. Find a saint who, yeah, he's like me or she's like me. Also, I've argued, uh, find a saint who's not like you. Find one who doesn't have your background, your interests, your style, because that saint will probably complete something that's lacking in you. But all of them in their splendor represent uh, the fullness of God. Yeah, I think it's okay to think of saints as uh, heroes. In any walk of life, we have heroes or models. If you're a baseball player, you look up to certain uh, great figures. You're a golfer, you find there's a swing I want to emulate. And there is something of that in the saints. And we look to them as models or heroes. For many people, John Paul II was that. He was a, a model of the Christian life. But saints are more than that because saints are our friends. Uh, I can say, well, Roberto Clemente is my model of how to run the bases, but I'm not a, a friend of Roberto Clemente. Um, but the saints 
are alive and the saints are present to us. They intercede for us. From their heavenly place, they guide us still, as the liturgy says. Um, so you think of heaven not so much as way up there in a physicalistic way, like it's way beyond the planet Jupiter or something. Well, that just puts it at a great uh, remove. Think of heaven as somehow else. It's another dimensional system that yet impinges upon our system. The saints, as it were, can stoop low to enter into our system and influence us, pray for us, act on our behalf. So when you find a saint, you found much more than just a model or a guide. You found a friend, spiritual friend, uh, who helps you in your friendship with, with God. I think the most fundamental quality of a saint is a saint is someone who has allowed Jesus to get into his boat. And I use that image from the scriptures when Jesus gets into the boat of Simon without being asked, without being invited. He just gets into the boat and then begins commanding. And Simon cooperates with him. Okay, we'll go out in the deep. and Okay, I'll lower my nets for a catch. Even though, Lord, we've been at it all night long and caught nothing, but I'll do what you want. That's a saint. Uh, so a saint is someone who has decentered her life. It's no longer her projects, her plans, her goals. It's now what Christ wants to accomplish through her. And so she sees herself as a vehicle. Again, that's not to be construed in a domineering way, as though I, I uh, negate myself. No, no, you actually find yourself. That's why, you know, the saints are always very vivid personalities. I don't know if really an exception to that. The saints are, are vivid, uh, memorable, striking personalities. Even like the little flower who's just spending her whole life in this quiet little convent in northwestern France, but talk about a vivid personality. Because see, the closer God gets, the more we're lit up from the inside. It's like the burning bush image, which is so powerful that when God comes into the world, he lights the world up without consuming it. So the bush is on fire but not consumed. Uh, classical mythology, whenever the gods come in, they destroy what they have encountered. They, they have to clear out a space. It's not true with the Bible, but it's, the saints are like, the, like a burning bush. They're on fire with Christ, but they're not consumed. They're lit up. They become more radiant. Uh, that's what we admire about them. That's why the artists depict them with halos, I think, because they're a source of luminescence. They're a source of, of illumination to others. Mother Teresa had that role clearly in the 20th century. Talk about a vivid personality, by the way. Um, but she, she lit up the world around her. Uh, that's what the saints do. Shane, there's some lovely thoughts there. I mean, even that last one, they light up the world around them. Mm, and I love that image she had of, um, you know, the light of God coming through the prism of the saints and breaking out into different colors. And of course, it's a reminder to us that, you know, the saints are not people that are up on pedestals and away from us. They're, they're there as examples. And of course, one of the challenges I suppose that the church has at the moment is that so many of the saints are as seen as either being religious or part of religious congregations. And it's one thing I suppose that both Pope Benedict, John Paul II, and Pope Francis have tried to do, is they have tried to bring much more uh, ordinary lay people forward as role models. So for example, you have the parents of Teresa of Lisieux were canonized. Uh, there's a number mm -hmm. that are in process currently with Pope Francis that have been beatified. One I think of is uh, Pier, uh, uh, Piero Giorgio Frassetti, yep. who was an Italian saint. He was a young guy, uh, very much involved in Turin and, and helping with the poor. And he's now regarded as a, he's a blessed, he's a Dominican tertiary saint. 
or yeah, a blessed brother, and he's on his way for canonization. So you know, there's there's different there's different things like that. But coming back, I suppose, to what we are celebrating, and which is, of course, is the feast of all saints. And feast of all saints this week is uh, just for those in Ireland. It is actually a holy day of obligation. Mm-hmm. So people are asked to, if possible, to go to attend mass. And it's a day that the church honors all of God's saints. And um, it's very much, I suppose, a day where we commemorate family members um, because it's not just those that have been canonized, but it's the saints that we have known yeah. in our lives. The, good, the, the men and women who we know have led good Christian lives, have been examples for us, are part of what's that called, that great cloud of witnesses. Um, and it was said that John Paul II canonized more saints than, than anybody else. But actually, I think Pope Francis is now out ranked him mm-hmm. in that regard but it's just that example to us you know that um you know the saints are not given a new role in the church when they're canonized either here on earth or in heaven but what we're doing is that the particular the particular person that's celebrated by the end of their life had responded this expression that i have here in front of me is heroically to god's grace and therefore reached the vision of god to the fullest extent that is possible but you know it's not it's not a, a process that, you know, saints are not canonized for their own sake. Um, you know, they don't need the recognition. They're already dead and in heaven. <laughs> you know, to yeah, put it yeah, bluntly. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're there to sustain us in hope. Uh, they're models for us and reminders of what is possible for us to true as well, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, um, when Bishop Barron was um, relating there, and I couldn't help thinking about it, the people you just mentioned are for our forefathers, you know, our parents and grandparents, when he said that, that, that these people allowed God to live in them, that they were the people that God wanted them to be. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the message that I got from that anyway, was all these saints, including our forefathers, um, going back over the centuries, they all allowed God to live in them. And so they didn't have to do anything special. Well, they were doing something special. They were allowing God to live in them. And, and, and it's easy and yet it's not so easy, because sometimes we want to do our own thing. These are a beautiful example to us. Mm. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a reminder to us, I suppose, that, you know, they're the, 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 that, old, that, that expression, the communion of saints, is what we celebrate on the Feast of All Saints. And the communion of saints, of course, is, has three parts. It has the church here on earth. It has the church, what was called the church, which is the, the, the old terminology was the church militant. Then you have the church triumphant and the church suffering. The church triumphant, of course, was those that are in heaven already. That, as someone has described, the glorious communion of saints, you know, and it provides us with a massive list of prayer partners. Because one of the things I suppose that's turned around is for Catholics in particular, yeah. there was this accusation that, you know, we, we idolize saints or, we, you know. But I suppose one of the best examples you could give to that is, you know, it's, it's, if something's troubling you in your life, you know, and you might ask somebody to say a prayer for you. Mm. And it's the same kind of analogy that you'd use when yeah. you ask a saint to say a prayer for you, because we don't believe that because they're in heaven that they are far or away from us, or that they can't do anything for us. So it's the same same sort of logic when we ask the saints to intercede for us. And it's not a superstition, although it, it can verge on superstition at times if people are not careful. You know, so it's just we have these heavenly heavenly models of holiness. And, um, you know, these are men and women um, whose generous spirit, uh, I suppose, reflects that gospel call to love and to serve God and to serve others. And, you know, it's, it's um, you know, if you look at it, the gospel for the Feast of All Saints is the, the Beatitudes, you know, the gospel that goes, yeah. blessed are the poor in spirit. 
And it's interesting, there's no mention of blessed are the rule makers, or blessed are the obedient, or blessed are the self-righteous, yeah. or mm. blessed are the judgmental. Yeah. You know, that's not, you know, what Jesus, how Jesus equated holiness. Um, he was about reaching people in their hearts, giving them reason for hope and joy, and encouraging, I suppose, true and, what would you say, lasting conversion, you know? And I suppose it's, it's, it's for us to think about who are the saints we associate, who are our personal saints, who are the saints, who are our go-to buddies when we want to have a chat. Um, you know, for some people, I know particularly in Ireland, there's a great devotion to Padre Pio, for example, mm-hmm. or there's also uh, a great devotion to the Little Flower, Saint Teresa of Lisieux, as we saw when, when her relics were in Ireland a couple of years ago, and the huge crowds that turned out. But it's also a case of, you know, there's a great devotion actually to local saints, um, particularly in certain parts, say, say a Kilidi here in Limerick, and of course the, tr- the tradition of the devotion to St. Ita. Um, you know, so it, it just depends where you are as well, I suppose, in different parts of the country. Um, you know, the other challenge of it is then there's Irish saints that we don't know a whole lot about. Uh, like, it'd also be a challenge to, say, to ask people to name uh, Irish saints and the Irish martyrs, for example. You know, people that have suffered and died for the faith and are examples, examples for us, aside from maybe, say, St. Oliver Plunkett, who is one of the few canonized saints, officially canonized mm, saints mm, that we have. Mm. Um, people might think of St. Patrick, St. Bridget, St. Colin Kill, St. Columba, uh, St. Brendan the Navigator. You know, so it, those like St. Kevin of Glendalough, um, Cork, obviously, it's St. It's Finton or Finian, Finton? Finian? Yep. Can't remember. Mm. And then, you know, you know so it's, it's a p- a p- predominant saints associated with particular areas of the country. But the question, I suppose, for us this, this, this week, as we look forward to celebrating this great festival of all the saints, are who are those people, not necessarily those that have been what's called raised to the all glory of the altars, yep. but who are those people who have been exemplars and examples for us in the Christian life and that are we are sure are probably enjoying you know, eternal happiness with God and you know, remembering them on that particular day. And, 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 you know, that's, and that's the idea around it. And, of course, the thing about it is, John, it's something you mentioned at the top of the segment, which, of course, is the tradition and the linkage in with Halloween. Mm. And the reason for that is the, in Old English, uh, All Saints Day was known as All Hallows, Hallows being holy. Mm. So All Saints. And so Halloween was the eve of All Hallows. And I suppose the tradition being that, you know, we would keep a vigil before the solemnity, um, which, is, which was the idea behind it. Of course, there's also the traditional linkage in with the uh, Celtic tradition of Samhain and, you know, Halloween being one of those thin moments, thin moments in the year when we are, when the dead and our beloved dead are kind of uh, closer to us in many respects. I suppose the challenge for us is, is to try and scope out what is the Christian part of that festival and that celebration as opposed to the carry-on that we sometimes see in the modern secular world and something that we have to be careful of and to remind ourselves of that Halloween actually does have a Christian emphasis. It came out of a Christian culture, even if it has been, you know, um, overtaken by other forces. And it's just to, just to be careful of that as well, you know, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating Halloween in, in one sense, but to remind ourselves that the focus is it is the eve of all all saints, and that is its purpose in the calendar. It's the you know the last day of October. It's the last day of the autumn, and we're heading into the winter. And particularly in the northern hemisphere, 
it's a reminder to us that we're heading into the dark days of winter. But as the days are getting shorter, we're also heading towards Christmas when days will start to get longer again. And so again, just a reminder, and Wednesday next, um, the Feast of All Saints um, time, uh, time maybe that around that period where we can remember people, as Shane said, who we knew personally, people who went before us, who ha- had their lives dedicated in some form or other, heard what the Lord wanted them to do, and off they went and done it, whether that was plowing a field or whether that was minding children or whatever it was. But they done whatever the Lord wanted them to do in that particular time. So we thank them for that. We thank the example of all the saints. Uh, Shane shares with, uh, with us each week uh, saints from various parts of the world. I know there's various calendars. Just one quick one, Sean, Shane. Mm-hmm. There is the universal calendar and there's the Irish calendar. A quick little... What's the distinction between the two? Okay. The universal calendar is the official calendar which is maintained, if you like, by Rome. Yep. And these are the saints that are celebrated universally around the church. Then we have what is called the Irish calendar. And the Irish calendar are specific feasts and celebrations of the saints which are only celebrated within the Irish church. Mm -hmm. So for an example there, one of the best examples we give there is actually, I'll give two examples. The first example is St. Patrick. So in Ireland, St. Patrick's Day is celebrated as a solemnity because obviously St. Patrick is the apostle to the Irish and is the, you know, it's, it's our main patron saint. Mm-hmm. So in Ireland, that's ranked as a solemnity. But around the rest of the world, it's St. Patrick is just another saint and it has the rank of what's called a memorial, which is just like two steps below. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. So another example then would be, for example, even within the Irish calendar, there are slight differences. So for example, we have a local calendar here in Limerick so on the, I'm going to say the 3rd of January, but I need to double check. Mm. On the 3rd of January is the feast day of St. Munchen, who is the patron saint of Limerick Diocese. So on the Irish calendar, St. Munchen is just mentioned, but for Limerick, that's a solemnity, that's a feast day. Yeah. So it's just, there's different ranks within the calendar. So basically you have different, different celebrations. So Diocese will have a local one because they remember local saints. Ireland has one, and we have a national calendar. So for example, um, the feast day of Our Lady of Knock is celebrated on the Irish national calendar. And then we have the universal calendar, which links us back into the big saints like, you know, John the 23rd, St. John Paul II, St. Peter, St. Paul, those kind of feast days. So it's just part of being part of the greater Catholic family, if you like. Thanks, Shane. We'll try to remember that as you mentioned these um, each week as we go through the first part of the programme. But in the meantime, Shane, you suggested that we go go out with a little piece of um, something by Matt Maher. Yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit different, I suppose, mm-hmm. this morning on the radio program, but it is a version of the Litany of the Saints. And it was one I came across recently and I just thought it was a nice, uh, gentle version of the litany. It's not too too overt. I like it. And yeah. I just thought it was an, it'd be a nice piece to play out on this particular morning as we remember and prepare ourselves for the celebration of All Saints on Wednesday and of course the commemoration of the faithful departed on Thursday in the coming week. So this is Litany of the Saints by Matt Maher. Saint Michael Saint Timothy Saint Elizabeth Oh, that's 
Welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley, uh, still joined by Shane Ambrose. Um, we hope that gave um, some of our listeners some uh, some uh, idea of All Saints and, and what maybe Bishop Barron shared with us today and also what myself and Shane had to offer. But this is the part of the program where we, we read and reflect on the, on the Sunday Gospel. And today we take um, a reading from the Gospel of Luke. But before that, we invite Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, humbly, and attentively. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let our eyes be closed and our minds wander. Then may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, the 31st Sunday in Ordinary Time, is is again taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was going through the town when a man whose name was Zacchaeus made his appearance. He was one of the senior tax collectors and a wealthy man. He was anxious to see what kind of man Jesus was, but he was too short and could not see him for the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to catch a glimpse of Jesus who was to pass that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and spoke to him, Zacchaeus, come down, hurry, because I must stay at your house today. He hurried down and welcomed him joyfully. They all complained when they saw what was happening. He's gone to stay at a sinner's house, they said. But Zacchaeus stood his ground and said to the Lord, Look, sir, I am going to give half my property to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay them back four times that amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek out and save what was lost. So that's the Gospel for today, for the 31st Sunday. 
uh, gospel that we're all fairly familiar with, Shane. Uh, Zacharias, have you got a thought you'd like to share with us, please? It's, this is one of these ones, it's, it's almost too familiar. <laughs> um, and I suppose it's particularly one of the ones that kids, children love. Um, it's one that's very much uh, used as, in, in Ireland anyway, it was used as part of the um, preparation for First Holy Communion, First Confession. You know, the idea of the little man, like a child, who Jesus picks out from the crowd and, you know, invites himself back to supper and kind of, you know, the conversion story that happens. Um, anyone that's been to Jericho um, will be told that the tree is still standing. Um, I have no idea, but if you're there, generally your guide will say, well, that is the tree. Um, it looks big enough and old enough and, and all the rest of it. Um, whether whether you accept that that's the tree or not, that's a different kettle of fish. But anyway, um, but in terms of, I suppose, in terms of the event or in terms of what the story teaches us or holds out for us today, very much, I suppose, continuing the, the parables from the last couple of weeks about the need for perseverance in prayer, but also the recognition of the mercy of God. And of course, the whole thing with Zacchaeus was he was a tax collector. And at the time, I suppose, okay, nobody's a big fan of a tax collector, but they were held in extreme disregard at the time because the way it worked was they were tax farming. Now, what that meant was they bought the rights to collect taxes in a particular area. And basically, they had to collect a certain amount and hand it over to the Roman authorities. Um, but after that, if they collected anything extra, that was their own. So obviously, it gave huge scope for corruption and abuses and, and all the rest of it, aside from the fact, of course, that they were also funding and the foreign power, the, the invader from a Jewish point of view. So as you can imagine, they wouldn't exactly be the most popular individuals on the planet. Um, so Jesus kind of zoning in on Zacchaeus and picking him out and saying, I am going to have supper at your house would have been a big deal. But of course, obviously, very much in line with Luke's gospel in terms of Jesus's um, meal encounters, was the amount of meal encounters that Jesus has in the gospel of Luke is quite staggering. But in terms of, you know, with the prostitutes, the outcasts, those that were on the margins of society. So in terms of ourselves, and I suppose reflecting it on, on reflecting on it this week, um, I suppose it poses that question to each of us in terms of where would I have been in the crowd? Would I have been one of the ones tutting because Jesus was going for meal at a sinner's house? You know, that's kind of the question I think we need to ask ourselves this week. Or sometimes maybe the other way of looking at it is are we Zacchaeus in terms of we think we're beyond all redemption. And it's a reminder to maybe someone that might have fallen across this podcast that, you know, the mercy of God is open to everyone always and ever, no matter what happens. Um, and it's there for us to always turn back to. And that we don't, God never cuts himself off from us. We are the ones that turn away from loving embrace of a loving God. And that is what we have to remember. And I think that's one of the things that comes out 
in this Sunday's Gospel. John? Shane, thanks a lot indeed for that. So yeah, as Shane said, today we meet Zacchaeus. Um, he, might have, he, he certainly wouldn't have been liked, I suppose, by many people because he was a tax collector and the Romans and also we're told he was a wealthy man, probably wasn't too, uh, didn't have too many friends in that area either. And we're told, he, but we're told, we're told he was anxious to see what this about this guy Jesus. And he climbed this sycamore tree to catch a glimpse of who he was because he was too short to see with the crowd, and anyway, the crowd wouldn't have liked him around. And but for some reason, somebody must have told him about Jesus, and he must have heard that the guy that Jesus was passing by that way, and he says. I'll take my chance and I'll go out and see and see what I can see myself. So this week, when I when I heard about about this fact, you know that Zacchaeus went to climb the tree after hearing about Jesus, I see. Well, what's he saying about to me about my life and so on and so forth? And 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 I had to reflect back as to when maybe I was told about this guy Jesus by someone, and maybe I was part of that crowd and I didn't want to stand out in the crowd and I didn't want to be. Uh, I didn't want people to, to know that I was um, uh, getting to know Jesus a bit more because maybe it wasn't the done thing in those days, maybe, and so on and so forth. But what what I remember is what is what happened to Zacchaeus. When Zacchaeus made the attempt to go and meet Jesus, Jesus saw him. Jesus saw him through through the crowd, something that Zacchaeus wasn't expecting, and something that Zacchaeus would have been so shocked at, and the people in the crowd were so shocked at too, because what's, what does Jesus want to do with this guy for? Look, look what he's up to, and so on and so forth. And that could have happened with my own life, i.e. I could have been thinking about it about other people, but it could have been me as well. I mean, I might not have been in a nice place. I still might be in a nice place. Um, but Jesus looks at me just the same as he looked at Zacchaeus. And so for me this week, I have to thank, God, for the first of all, for the pe- for the people who introduced me to the whole message of uh, Jesus. Secondly, I, I declined a tree a bit like Zacchaeus in certain w- ways, in that the, the the way that I found out about Jesus anyway was to go and read the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel, and that's what really brought me to this, even being involved with this podcast. Um, I I just wanted to find out a bit more about Jesus, and so reading the Scriptures, reading the Gospels, listening to reflections. Uh, practicing lecture divina, chatting with other people about it, was some way of me of help helped me to understand a bit more about this guy Jesus. And all I know is that I, I, I'm I'm so I'm so happy to be able to have had the opportunity of found, finding out about him and also as best as I can share that with other people. And that's what we try to do here on the podcast each week. We're all Zacchaeus. We're all being there thinking we're not good enough and so on and so forth and we're all <laughs> Maybe afraid to put a head a head above, above the parapet, but I thank God anyway that people gave me the opportunity. And I suppose I'll finish off this week as I usually do with a little few words there from our good friend Michael Devetai when he says, "Lord, we thank you for the people who have been Jesus for us. When we felt inadequate, too short, so that we could only catch a glimpse of that dream we had for ourselves, you sent someone who looked up and saw more in us than we did than we ourselves did." They weren't aggressive, didn't force themselves on us, just said that they were happy to stay in our house. We felt a surge of joy within us. We knew that others were calling us sinners, but that didn't stop us. We felt free to stand our ground, confess whatever wrong we'd done, commit ourselves to making a new start. Salvation came to our house that day. 
we knew that we too belonged to the family of Abraham and experienced that you came to seek out and save what was lost. So that's the gospel for this week and the reflection of my, my, my few thoughts and Shane's few thoughts. Thanks again, listeners, for for joining us. Uh, thanks, Shane, for travelling all that distance from Magadisha to Arda County Limerick and to wherever people are for the rest of the world. We'll finish off with a, with a final piece of music this week and this one, I couldn't think of a better one actually myself, it's from the Maranatha Singers in line with maybe what Zacchaeus decided to do. It's entitled I Want to Save You, Lord. So next week for myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the week. God bless now. Bye. Bye. I will serve you because I love you. You have given life to me. I was nothing until you found me. You have given life to me. Heartache. Given life